Well, it won't be long before snow and cold weather gives way to the sounds of spring. Those, of course, being the crack of the bat, the snap of the glove, and the cheering crowds. But before those days arrive, Major League players and coaches head to Florida, some to Arizona, for spring training. And that's where our guest this morning is joining us from. Corona native Rob Thompson is entering his first full season as a Major League manager, having taken the reins of the Philadelphia Phillies back in June. Since then... He's had the interim title dropped from his title. He signed a two-year contract to manage the team. And, of course, there was that World Series appearance in October. Rob Thompson joins us this morning from uh, the spring training facility in Clearwater, Florida, of the Philadelphia Phillies. Rob, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me, Scotty. Good to see you again. Good to see you, too. Well, let me ask you first, how has the offseason been? I mean, that was a... a pretty busy fall for you. Have you had a chance to kind of decompress and, and get some rest or has it been a pretty busy off season? Uh, really busy and, and really different from what I'm used to because, you know, usually we're, uh, whether we get in the playoffs, go to the World Series, whatever it is, being the bench coach or third base coach, usually I go home and and relax and rest. And, and usually around the 1st of January, we get going again. But this year was a little bit different. Of course, we went into November with the World Series. And then uh, part of the managerial duties is to sort of recruit players and, and meet players, whether it be Zoom or um, or travel to cities. So I saw all the all the four shortstops, all the four free agent shortstops out there just to recruit and get to know them, see if they'd fit in our clubhouse. And they're all really good. But uh, the guy we got, Trey Turner, was the guy that – uh, I personally thought going into it that he would be the right fit, and and we got him, so that was good. Also, there's a lot of um, uh, community stuff that I have to do in Philadelphia, representing the Phillies. So it was busy, but it was a lot of fun, and uh, I'd uh, I'd gladly end my season in November every year if we could. <laughs> well, you mentioned Trey Turner and and those Zoom calls. Um, wonder if you could just kind of walk me through that that process when you have those meetings what are some of the things you're talking about like are you are you kind of selling the player on the team and the organization or or is it more the player saying you know is this the right place for me how how does that uh, process work yeah it's a good question it's it, probably a little bit of both um you know we're just we just try and get to know each other I want the player to understand what I'm all about and what our organization is about. Uh, want to get to know them, what they're looking for. Want to get to know their their wife and their children if they, if they've got them, and um, you know, and, and then get them to ask some questions about the organization and about the city, about the fans, about living, about whatever's on their mind that's important to them, and just to make sure that it's a good fit for both of us and. And the guys that, that we got this this year, Dave Dombrowski, our team president, Sam Fold, uh, our general manager and, and his staff did a great job uh, recruiting, getting the right guys, signing the right guys. And I really like our club. And I think if we if we stay healthy and do what we're supposed to do, then we'll end up where we think we're going to end up. Let's go back to spring training of last year. Um Obviously, the expectations in Philly were pretty high uh, back yeah. in spring training last year. You, you know, so there were some new faces, some some free agent signings uh, of some some big name hitters. Um, you also had, you know, a, um, a coaching staff that had 
shall we say, been to the dance before. You know, Joe Girardi, yeah. yourself, and Kevin Long, you guys had all been World Series champions back in 09. So there were all the pieces in in place, it seemed, for for a really a really great season. Um, it got off to a bit of a shaky start. You were 22 and 29. Um, but that was, was there a sense in spring training that that this was a club that could really do some damage? And and did that then kind of make it surprising that that the start was was as shaky as it was? Yeah, I think uh, leaving spring training, we had a really good spring training. Uh, I thought we played well. We covered everything, um, and we got off to a bad start. We did, and expectations were high, and and expectations are good. It probably means you're you're pretty good, and um, we got off to a little bit of a slow start. You know, it looked like guys were kind of trying to find their way and and trying to do too much at times. And then really we got into May and May was just like the toughest part of our schedule. We played the Dodgers and the Padres and the Braves and the Mets and all these teams in May. And it was really the toughest month that we would have had to go through. And, and we struggled and um, Dave decided to make the, the change. And, um, you know, we just happened to go into the easiest part of our schedule in June and we won nine in a row right out of the eight or nine row right out of the gate. And and I could see the guy's confidence come back. And and then we just kind of rolled from there. We had some tough spots here and there, but came out of it and and uh, really had a, a really good season. Mm. Now, in spring training, I mean, the 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 thought that, you know, partway through the season, there there would be a change um, and, and you would take on the, the manager's role. I assume that I mean, that would have been the furthest thing from your mind. Uh, you mentioned the the difficulty of the schedule early going, but do you think there were, I mean, were there any other explanations, I suppose, for, for the slow start? Was it guys just kind of not, not um, hitting their stride earlier or, or what do you think it was apart from the difficulty of the schedule? Yeah, I think, I think that that was it. We just, you know, we, we did get up to a slow start and then, and then guys started to put a little bit too much pressure on themselves. I think and they tried to do too much and cause we have a, a room full of guys that really care and they want to win. Um, they knew the expectations they, they knew of not only Philadelphia, but um, you know, the, the entire league across the league, everybody thought that we were going to have a good club. And, and at the time we were underachieving and then, you know, like I said, guys try to do too much and just, it just kind of snowballs. So um, once we got once we got rolling, um, it was really good and it was a lot of fun. And and like I said, I, you know, three weeks ago I told my wife Michelle, uh, I said, I'm I've not been this excited to go to spring training in I don't know how many years. And she said, Well, it's because you're the manager. And I said, No, it's not because I'm the manager. It's just because of the people that we have in the clubhouse, and not just the players, but our coaching staff. That's just a really fun group to be around. They're really talented. Our coaching staff is, in my opinion, the best in baseball. Um, I I don't make it any decisions without talking to somebody and coming up with kind of a um, a group decision. Um, so it's it's just a lot of fun, and I, I love being around these guys. I really do. So you mentioned the the eight game winning streak after you know that June third day when when the club announced that that Joe Girardi was being let go and you were going to be stepping into a an interim manager role. Um, I've heard in several interviews you, you've been asked the question about you know what what was the turnaround or or what caused the turnaround and 
you know, there's always the narrative that, you know, a new manager, teams respond to a new manager and, and that sort of thing. Um, but one thing I've noticed is you have been in just about every interview in which you've been asked this question, you have been so reluctant to take any credit, uh, always always giving the credit to the players and, and the other coaches and, and the organization. That tells me that there's a there's a real you know sense of humility that you have. And I'm wondering how important that is when it comes to you know players responding to their manager and respecting their manager. Do they see that and, and say, you know, here's a guy who who is not interested in taking credit. He wants to make sure all the credit goes to us. How how important is that, do you think, in in establishing that that relationship with the players? Yeah, I think in any type of leadership role, I think it's important that you are humble and you give credit and you take blame. Um, you know, when I do my post-game interviews, if something, uh, I try to all the time, when something goes right, I'm always saying we, and if something goes wrong, I tend to say I, and that's that's how I, I do it. I'm, I'm willing to shoulder the blame and I'm willing to, to disperse uh, the good things on other people. And, and I just think that that's, that's good leadership. And that's what I've been always taught and always uh, viewed. And that's just the way I view life, I guess. So where, where does that come from? Do you think? I think partly from my, my early years with my father taught me that, that, you know, you got to take, if you're in a leadership role, you take the blame and, and uh, you be accountable for your actions. And, and when good things happen, you you give the credit to somebody else. That's just the way it is. And and then throughout my baseball career, it seemed like the best managers that I've watched and or worked for. That's how they tended to be. And and so, um, you know, I sort of my whole life has has sort of been that way. So that's just kind of who I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Now, when you think back to, you know, your days as a player uh, in the minor leagues and, and you know, in those kind of small towns and, you know, riding the buses and, and, and then you, you know, your playing career ends, you move into coaching. Did you ever think, you know, in your wildest dreams that, that you would end up where you are? Not really. I mean, you, you, I think any person in baseball, any young person in baseball dreams about it. They dream about playing in the big leagues. And then once you get to the coaching side, you dream about coaching in the big leagues and, and managing in the big leagues. But in reality, you know, it's so far-fetched and, and so rare that this happens. There's only 30 of these jobs in, in, in baseball. And, and so it's, it's very rare. And, and you've got to have a little bit of luck along the way. You've got to work extremely hard and, and listen and uh, be in the right spot at the right time. Uh, at times and, and, you know, just have a little luck. And, and that's sort of how my life has gone. When it, when it did finally happen for you, when, when they did, you know, make that change back in June, um, how was it uh, in terms of how your life changed? Um, what I mean by that is, you know, in the, in the years that you were, you know, bench coach, third base coach jobs in, in the organization at the organizational level and so on, you were obviously very well known throughout the game. People in in baseball knew who you were, but but to the general public, you did enjoy a certain level of anonymity. Yeah, no more. Obviously, that yeah. that's not the case anymore. Um, yeah. How has that changed for you, and and how have you kind of dealt with that? 
Um, I think it has changed. I mean, it's it's hard to go, especially in Philadelphia, anywhere where you know somebody doesn't recognize me. Um, in Stratford, the same thing, but I think Stratford's a little bit different. They, I've lived there for so long that I'm just part of the community, so it's not it's not a big deal then. Um, and I, I view it like I view the players or anybody else. I treat people the way I feel like I want to be treated. So they're fans, and I'm I'm kind of the conduit between the team and the fans. So. I treat people with respect and and um, and enjoy it as much as I can. And uh, not that um, I don't want to sound cocky or or overcome overconfident, but I you know I do enjoy it, and and that's the way you got to be. And because they are our fans, and they they pay a lot of money to watch us play. Hmm. So. Uh, the one thing I've I've always kind of wondered is is you know the the casual fan the average baseball fan sees major league players major league coaches teams and and it is you know such a a, a lucrative profession for those who you know have have great levels of success the, I I sometimes feel like the average fan looks at it and and sees nothing but the the glamour of it I suppose what do you think it is the average person maybe doesn't know about about the daily life of of someone in the big leagues during the season and the off season, I guess what I mean is sort of the amount of work that goes into it. Do you think that, that the average fan really understands just how, how much work goes into uh, to what they see when they turn on the TV to watch the game? Yeah, I don't think, I don't think they do. And I, I don't, I think it's impossible for them to understand unless they're in the clubhouse watching these guys on a daily basis. Our guys will show up, uh, for a seven o'clock game at noon sometimes or one o'clock in the afternoon. And, and it's not like they sit in their locker and, and just wait for batting practice. It's a, it's a, um, they have a, a routine that they go through. Guys are in the training room, in the hot tubs, in the cold tubs, in the cages, uh, watching film in the weight room. Uh, they have a lot of things to do. Um, and they spend a lot of time at it to, to hone their craft and, and be the best they can be. And they take a lot of pride in it. So I, I don't think unless you're in the clubhouse, you I don't think anybody could understand exactly how much time and effort these these players and coaches put into their craft. And and in, in today's game, I mean, analytics are such a huge part of it. Um, and, and you've talked before about about trying to balance um, you know, the analytic approach versus or with along with the the kind of the feel approach, uh, if you will. And the one thing I thought was really interesting that you you had said um, that I'd heard you say was, you know, analytics are great. They, they, they can tell us, you know, what the tendencies are and everything, but it doesn't really uh, take into effect or into account rather the, the human element. Um, yeah. I wondered if if you could just sort of explain how you merge the two and and sort of what you uh, what hesitation you might have when the analytics department comes to you and says you know this guy should be not facing this pitcher you should be pinch hitting for him or whatever how do you how do you handle you know kind of those two approaches Yeah, I think I think it's it's always a case by case basis as far as dealing with the player and dealing with. Uh, situations you got to know the player you got to know his the mental side of his game and the emotional side of his game and um, although 
the tendency or the the numbers will tell you, for example, that we need to pinch hit this guy against this particular pitcher. It doesn't take into account how that's going to affect him tomorrow, as far as his confidence is concerned, and and is the is the gain that you're going to get by by pinch hitting this guy, is it more than what you're going to lose by losing his confidence moving forward. So I, I think, and I'm not perfect, but I, I think that um, every one of those cases, I always, I understand the analytics, I understand the tendencies, what we're supposed to do, but I'm always factoring in the mental and emotional side of it. Uh, and again, it's, it's on a case by case basis. Some guys, I know that it, if you pinch it for him or you take him out of a pitcher out of a game at any time, it's not really going to affect him. But I do know that there are certain guys that it's going to affect them in, in the coming days. And, and do you really want to risk that? That's the, that's the question or that's the answer you got to come up with. So we fast forward now from, from last year to, to this spring training. It's just getting underway. Um, obviously with the success you had last year, the expectations are, are still there, maybe even more so this year going into spring training, you know, you're, you're defending national league champions, um, some new faces, uh, a few players from the team from last year are now elsewhere. You brought in some new players. You mentioned Trey Turner, of course. Um, so going into this year with the expectations being, as I said, probably even higher than they were last year, how do you manage that? And, and how do you you know, kind of keep uh, keep the players grounded and and you know make it such that that the expectations aren't weighing on them too heavily. Yeah, it's like I said, expectations are good because um, it probably means you're you're good. The the pressure comes from when if you've got high expectations but you're not very good. That's pressure. <laughs> what we're going through shouldn't be pressure because we are very good. Um, we do have high expectations. Um, somebody asked me about are you worried about complacency on this club and and i said although you 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 keep your finger on the pulse i i'm not because yes we won the national league but we didn't win the world series and that's really our goal uh and just watching these players the way they've worked during the off season um, with all the reports because a lot of people are are following these guys whether it be our strength and conditioning staff our coaches our uh, our trainers, um, to a man, they've they've worked extremely hard and they've stayed on their off-season plan. So they got a taste last year and they are hungry. And I think, you know, and, and again, expectations are high. You get off to a slow start. You always have to keep in mind it's a long year. And not that you want to get off to a slow start, but, but you just have to be, you know, um, even keeled about the whole thing and, and understand that it is a long year and we're really good. And as long as we stay healthy and do what we're supposed to do, we'll, we'll end up where we want to end up. Now your club of course is not the only one in the division that has brought in some, some uh, high, high caliber new players. The division has gotten tougher. Um, yep. When you look at some of the additions that, you know, the other teams in the division have made, I think particularly of the Mets, um, how do you see the division shaping up this year? I mean, it, it seems like it's going to be a real dogfight amongst a couple of teams. There, there doesn't seem to be any real weakness in the division this year. Yeah, Atlanta's Atlanta's better. 
Uh, they lost Dansby Swanson, but they get Soroka back. They've got some pitching that was not healthy last year. They'll get back. They've added a gold glove catcher. Uh, the Mets have added a number of guys. So, And then you look at Miami, too. They've always had good pitching, and now they're starting to add some some offense. But they got Gene Segura, and they got the former um, last year's American League batting champion that they've added. They still have the great pitching. So this this division is a bear. And it's it's going to be about the team that that executes best and stays healthy, and um, you know plays as a team. And that's the one thing that that we have. I I can't speak for other teams, but I know that our our players play for each other, and and it's a great team. Um, it's a talented team, but it's the mesh and and the synergy on this team is just off the charts. Um, one last question for you, Robin, and I, and I promise it's not about being the second most handsome manager in baseball, but, (laughs) but, but, you know, this, this baseball journey that, that you've been on for the last few decades is, is really, it's quite remarkable. It's, it's, you know, you, you've, you know, you rode the buses in the minors, you worked your way up. It's been a, a long career and, and here it is, you know, you're going into, you know, your first full season as a as a major league manager. And I guess you know all of us I suppose are on a, on a journey of 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 some sort. And if we're lucky, we we get to share that journey with somebody who, you know, is there with us for all the highs, there with us for all the lows. And and for you that's that's your your wife Michelle. You you mentioned her earlier. How critical to your success and and this career that you've had has has Michelle been? Um, probably, well, obviously the most important person in my life. Um, when I first was offered, when I went from player to coach, um, the Tigers asked me if I wanted to coach and I said, well, I just got married and I I really need to talk to my wife about it. And so I talked to Michelle and she said, I support anything you want to do the rest of your life. And that's what I'm here for. And she has, and she has done that for 38 years. Today is our 38th anniversary. And so for 38 years, she has supported me. Um, She has been kind of, um, you know, the only parent in the house at times. So she has had to be the mother and father to my two beautiful children who are now older. Uh, I don't want to tell you how old they are because I'll tell you how old I am. But um, but she has been the rock um, behind everything that I've done, and I owe everything to her. And I can't say I can't say enough good about her. Well, Rob, listen, thank you so much for for this time this morning. It's it's been a, a interesting and fascinating chat, and 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 happy anniversary to you and Michelle. Thanks, Scotty. Appreciate it. All right, thank you so much, Rob. Thanks for having me.